0: Welcome to the Big MX radio podcast show brought to you by SickWix.com. SickWix, the only soy candle you'll find in my household as well as the household, is the guy on the line. Of course, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on every single one of these episodes, but on a very, very few of these or very many of these podcasts, you'll see him all the time. He is the dreadlocked wonder. He's the one, the only Dave Drakes. Dave, how's it going?
1: going on, man, I'm loving the intros lately man. I'm making me feel like I'm important.
0: Oh, you are important. This is uh, <laughs> basically this podcast creates a full calendar year since we started doing these race review podcasts. We basically, we reviewed every race in 2018. This is the first race that we're doing in 2019. Getting together, breaking down the race and telling everybody what we saw. You were there in person. You 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 were there for track walk. You, you put your feet in the dirt. Finally got to, to go. I think you probably went on a couple of different track walks between the like, official track walk and the one that you do with your uh, your VIPs. So You got to probably more more tracked on than most, uh, as well as you're also there for uh, the rain to come down and everything that comes along with that. We appreciate you uh, making some time for us because you're a guy that's in the trenches. Um, and an Anaheim One is always, uh, the bullets are flying and it's, it's, it's awesome and everyone's hyped up. How was your weekend? Give me a, a quick synopsis before we dive into reviewing the first race of the uh, Monster Energy uh, AMA Supercross Championship.
1: Um it was you know a uh, very, very exciting race. So you know anytime you go to a one, you can attest to this the The atmosphere is just it's, you know electric. everyone has anticipation. you got the new bikes, the new uh the new teams are rolling out. Um, you know everyone has fresh gear on, so it's, it's really exciting. It's one of the first times that we've got we have racing you know in, in quite some so many months, so um it, it it's always a lot of fun, always a, a really good vibe around it. Um, I will say, unlike most uh, A1s that I've been to at least, this one was super cold, and I'm saying that from a person who's from the New England area and, you know, more recently Wisconsin. It was for <laughs> for being in California. It was it was it was cold, man. I mean oh, yeah. it, For a while, it was it dipping, wasn't nice. dipping in the
0: yeah. It was like 61 at some
1: point. Uh, yeah, earlier in the day, but when you first got up, it you know you could see, really feel it like in the forties a little bit, and it warmed up to like you know low low fifties, mid fifties, um, and then you know once the rain came down for the mains, you really felt the cold. Uh, but being diehard moto fans, no one budged. We all sat there getting drenched, you know, freezing our butts off to watch the action. Which thank God there was plenty of. Um, so yeah, you know, overall great, great Anaheim. I highly recommend everyone get to at least one race this year if they're able to. this is this is gonna be one for the record books, I think.
0: For sure. I, I do love uh, Ralph Shaheen letting everybody know that the rain that had fall was falling was coming from the Pacific Ocean. Um that was <laughs> that's, important. Uh, that's an important tidbit of information. I was under the impression that it might be coming from one of the lakes up in Canada. It could have been coming from the Great Lakes. It might have been like sweeping across from the Atlantic, but no, this was a Pacific rain. Um, uh, which of course you guys are only a stone's throw from the Pacific Ocean. Um but yeah, this was a fan it's always a fantastic race. This is this the, the race that kicks everything off. Uh if people watch uh any race. It's uh, one of three races of the year. It's this race, it's Daytona, it's Vegas. Those are the staples. They sort of spread them out evenly throughout. Um, I think that the whole industry is watching for this one. I know uh, credentials are near damn impossible to get, and I assume it was probably elbow to elbow in the press box. Uh, one less seat taken up this year by myself, so uh, maybe people were uh, a little bit less congested with uh, with not my broad shoulders, Keep uh, keeping things uh, snug in there. But um yeah it was it was bittersweet to watch the race because I wasn't there but uh got some work happening in this uh this end of the uh of the equation that uh, I couldn't leave uh the friendly confines of Canada to uh, to attend to so uh yeah, you were out there basically as our reporter on scene and um uh, yeah, you, you were also basically in the trenches as well with uh with one AJ Catanzaro. Uh you've got a ton of racers that you work with with the collective experience. Um but uh, I think AJ is probably your most marquee of them.
1: Yeah, um it, it ends up kind of being like that uh throughout the season. You know, it's only because uh you know, AJ kind of helped me get this uh, program kicked off with brainstorming and sort of who to talk to and you know we we grew up as you know close buddies for so long. And, and it's kinda of tough to uh you know get away from you know the, the, the people that you, that you that you've known most of your uh most of your life. So um yeah I mean, you know, I, I love all my writers the same. They're all wonderful. Uh any given weekend I could, you know, be with either either one of them. But uh you know being that AJ and I go so far back it's a Probably one of my main buddies that I kind of hang around the most amongst other people, and you know, since you weren't there, I had to I had to make do. You know,
0: for sure. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's uh, that sort of just comes part and parcel with it. I, if I'm not around, you got to cling to somebody to uh, to get some laughs going. But uh, yeah, exactly. you've, you've got a, an impressive roster of guys to work with. Uh, from from la- from from some coming over from last year, some guys newly added. Uh, I don't believe that uh, David Pulley was uh, was racing this last weekend, or or at least riding. Like, what was the story with uh, with David uh, not lining up for Anaheim one? The first time in a while that we haven't seen him uh, line up.
1: Yeah, that one was a shock to me. You know, Dave's usually pretty solid at showing up for all the California rounds. Um, but yeah, he um you know, let me know like a day before that he kinda had a um a injury, collarbone injury that he was letting heal up a little bit and um you could tell he was pretty gutted that he wouldn't be lining up and you know, he's he's been putting in some decent effort in the uh off season really um upping his uh his moto game, fitness, marketing even. He's you know, we're seeing him a lot more in social media, interacting and stuff, just trying to grow his brand. Um and yeah, it was it was a bit of a bummer, man. You could definitely see seeing his eyes he was kinda bummed. But he'll be back for this upcoming weekend and should be good to go from here on out. So, um, yeah, I'm pulling for him. You know, he always puts the work in, and uh, I think just, it's just the only matter of time before he starts making these names.
0: Absolutely. So uh, you're in the pits with uh, with the great, the cat, uh, back with the 330 machine uh, on the Kawasaki this year. He's got a ton of great sponsors. He's got a good program. Vortex uh, is really stepped up for him. Um, what's the vibe like in the pits with a guy like that and uh, what are some of the things that people can look forward to with, uh, with doing a, a collective experience with a guy like The Cat? Earlier, in the po- earlier today we did a podcast where we had uh, Bubba Polly on he sort of ran down the ins and outs of, uh, of doing one with him. What are some of the ins and outs of uh, getting with uh, The Cat, a guy who uh, probably uh, second to none as far as uh, interacting with his fans and just being able to communicate with those guys?
1: Oh, yeah, AJ's amazing with uh, fan interaction. You know, all the TCE guys are, you know, Bubba Paulie included. We really make sure that we grab riders who aren't only fast and have big followings but also give back to their fans and are very interactive uh, and it can really make a fan feel at at home, like a member of the of the race team or family. Even not, not many writers can do that. I'm sure you can attest to that. Um, but yeah, fans that sit up with AJ, they always tell me over and over, you know, they they did not expect to be immersed as as much as they are, because you know AJ is giving you real real life tasks. You know, you're you're out there videoing AJ, you're helping him with gear, you're interacting with some of his reps. So, for example, this past weekend, you had a great sponsor um, in in uh, Maxis and OTG and their products. Um, SGB was there and like, you know, some of, some of our fans at, um, and intern was able to really, um, build these connections and relationships with a lot of these reps and get familiar with the product and be able to, you know, get behind that velvet rope and touch the pieces and parts. And, um, you know, it's just like you really, you really can't do with, with, um, with, with any other experience, I think. Um, so yeah, you can you can definitely expect to make to be made to feel like you're a member of the team, like you have a a task, a purpose. That you know we need you to make to, to help us get to that next level. And it's a really good feeling to know that hey, I was part of a pro supercross rider's team. Hey, you might not have you know ended up that well, or we didn't qualify, but at least I was there to make sure that um, he had these extra little x y z pieces that that can help him get to that next level. So. Um yeah, definitely expect to, make, to be made to feel that you're, you're in it, you're a member of the team, and we need you, and, uh, and you're, you're going to get some lasting memories for sure.
0: Absolutely. I, I've said in the past, uh, if, if you're going to sign up for anybody, uh, of course, uh, try and sign up with AJ, but uh, you've got a really impressive list of guys, including guys like Adam Enticknap. which uh, if you sign up with Adam, you know you're going to have a smile on your face and uh, some, some laughs will be had. That guy is, is just good people.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, with Adam and you know Tyler and Siknet, um, like you said earlier, Bubba and Braden Shar, all these guys, um, you're you're gonna have a blast, man. With with Tyler and Adam, I mean, from the minute they meet you, you're getting hugs, you're getting T-shirts. Um, you know, you're helping them do like Lit Kid Awards. You're meeting all these other top-level pros. Um, they're asking you how you're feeling, what you want to get into. Hey, you know, how did I look at this one section? I mean, you're you're really you're really part of their clique. Um, and it's, and it's really, really, um, really, really cool. Really exciting. Even for me, I've been doing this for a while now and just meeting every new person and seeing them light up when Adam embraces them and brings them into the fold. Um, it, you know, it's, it's special. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something that I wish I could have done when I was, you know, a little younger, um, before I kind of decided to get into the industry and stuff. So, um, and it, it really means a lot to the, to the riders too private tier riders, they don't have a lot of support usually from fans, Um, you know, I think maybe Adam and Tyler are the exception, but you know, they don't, they don't have that big fanfare. And when they have somebody who's there specifically for them, who's also helping them to fund their racing program, it means the world to them. So the riders are just as pumped as the fans are, which is pretty cool. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to keep kicking butt at this thing. We're going to keep cultivating the program and to be, to be something that's better and even more beneficial to the riders and fans and support, you know, our sponsors right back, like Bigamix Radio, make sure that, uh that we're doing a good job in growing the sport as much as possible and just creating those, again, lasting connections and lasting memories.
0: Heck yeah, absolutely. And uh, so before we jump into the to the review of Anaheim One here, who were some of your uh, your VIPs uh, cashing in and getting themselves a uh, an experience like no other this past weekend?
1: Uh, this past weekend we had Tyler Insignat that had a pretty full roster. Uh, we had AJ Cat uh, that was hosting his first round of, uh, of interns. Uh, we were... We we're lucky enough to do a, a TCE internship program and pick a new intern for every um, every round of the 17 race series this year. We picked the first eight, um, and our first uh, intern winner was Eti, and uh, she had a really good time getting immersed in it. And uh, we're still we're still looking for the you know the, the last nine. There's still time to sign up at thecollectivexp.com. Uh, make sure you get your chance to to sign up to be one of our interns and apply. And as always, you can always sign up for our fan experience with any one of our awesome riders. Um, like I said, this past weekend, Tyler was pretty full. I think we've got some more riders that are full coming up this past weekend. I have a full roster that it's it's not in front of me, but uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna make sure that everyone gets that uh, incredible experience. That they have fun. That they make those those memories, and that they get some some awesome uh, some awesome connections and and really really feel like they're they're part of it. Man, that's 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 number one part.
0: For sure man you you got uh, you're building this thing up bigger and bigger every week you bring on new sponsors uh more swag people have an amazing time with this and if you, have, if you haven't checked it out TheCollectiveXP.com. Check it out. Easy to navigate. Easy to figure out what you need to make happen so that you have it. your Supercross experience is different than pretty much anybody else's in the pits. Uh, everyone wants to cut themselves out of the herd. Everyone wants to have a story different from everybody else's when they when they leave the race. And you can ex- ensure that by signing up for an exclusive experience with The Collective Experience. So let's jump straight into this podcast, this review of Anaheim One. Huge shout out to Spencer, a good friend of yours. What was what's Spencer's last name again?
1: Spencer Burroughs, man. Sp- when you get One when of your uh, more loyal listeners.
0: Heck yeah. Spencer <laughs> Burroughs, number one in your program, number one in your hearts. He's uh, a loyal listener of the podcast, and I couldn't be happier when you, you let me know that he had a uh, – a some pretty nice things to say. I love good feedback like that. Anaheim one is in the books. I hope you enjoyed it, Spencer. And we always enjoy doing these podcasts to break it all down for you, Dave. Let's start out with the motocross track. You were able to actually put your feet on this track uh, before it was uh, the the rains got a hold of it. Um, this looked like uh, probably one of the more technical. Tracks that we've dealt with for Anaheim one, usually they they keep things pretty simple. At the same time, the the, the track was very doable. It seemed like uh, it, they slowed things down a little bit with some jump combinations that were big, but not necessarily fast. If that if you know what I mean, like there's a lot of stuff that like it wasn't really tricky to do the the quad quad but it was definitely uh the fastest way to do it i think that that's why uh, you didn't have a huge disparagement in the the lap times i think uh going back from first all the way back to 20th was only a three second gap which is pretty competitive if you look at it but uh, what were your thoughts on the track once uh, you got your feet dirty
1: i thought it was a great anaheim one track um you kind of hit it on the head where the first track's usually more mellow um, not very exciting, um, nothing too technical, and they really surprised a lot of people. I mean, that's all you heard on trackbook was, oh, holy crap, shot this shot is huge, or hey, this section, you know, they're going quad quad. I mean, are they, you know, can we do it all night? Um, the dirt was really, really good too. The whoops were big. It's really uncharacteristic A1, which uh, it was a nice shakeup, you know. It kind of brought a new, a breath of almost fresh air to people. I mean, there were some some nits from from rotten riders who had maybe might have not had that much seat time, uh, but it, it, it was just, it was good good to watch on TV and made for some dynamic racing. Uh, multiple lines uh, up until like you know some of the main events where he started to get some more heavier rain and uh, there was maybe one more one race line throughout the whole track. But you know in practice and in the heats and stuff, you could really see that riders were kind of fine um try to find their rhythm and you could really really mix it up a little bit and it was cool it, it made uh it made it more exciting from a you know from a fan standpoint and I hope this is something that we can expect throughout the season and start to see some tracks that that look different you know that that kind of wake you up that have these unique elements dirt that stays good throughout the whole day um I, I really hope it stay I hope it stays all like that cuz it, it it'll translate into some really really good racing
0: yeah it did and uh there's A few like kind of make or break moments or make or break obstacles during the uh, the the races and just sort of the uh, any guys that were able to consistently do those two doubles in the middle of the track, which neither one of those neither one of us are even sizing those jumps up in the dry, let alone in the rain. I can't imagine those guys sending those things just full send. That this is this is when you really get an appreciation for how good these guys are. Jumps that neither one of us would even think to attempt completely perfect scenario on a factory motorcycle. I don't think either of us are even uh, entertaining the idea of, of sending those two doubles but uh, when the, when there's sheets of water teeming down and uh, uh, traction is not at a premium um, these guys were still jumping them. They were still making it look easy. Of course there were some guys who weren't jumping them but uh, like those two doubles uh, for example were basically uh, uh, where the race was won when it comes to uh, the 450 class at the very least.
1: Exactly, you can make up a lot of time there and really keep a smooth rhythm if you did them. Uh, but like you said, uh, throughout the the main event, traction became less and less of a uh, of, of a of a factor. You know, it was um, it was getting really really slick. Uh, you know, people weren't able to hook up coming out of that, um, that tight left hander, um, and, and yeah, the the faces were getting a little bit chewed up. So the riders that were kind of you know able to hook it consistently, those are the guys that you saw up front. Um, and you know, just just to give people an example, that that double was a little bit bigger than most uh, most Supercross triples. So, um, just goes through, you know, just shows you how how actually big they are. When you get a pro rider who's used to throwing whips off triples, and they're like, "Holy crap, this is a little scary," then you know it's something that's uh, that, that's that's a little harder than than uh, than you think. So, um, yeah, definitely a place where. Uh, a lot of a lot of time was being made. A lot of challenges were being thrown out, and there was really no fast way to roll it either. I mean, if you hit the inside of that left hander and rolled it, um, you're you're in for a slow ride pretty much until you kind of got to the end of the straightaway. So, um, yeah, definitely definitely cool to see that. Definitely had a mix up. I, I I really wasn't expecting anything like that.
0: No, no matter what we tell ourselves, Dave, rolling the jumps is never the fast way to go. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but like. Uh, the track definitely seemed to hold up really well. Shout out to Randy Meninga and the Dirtworks crew; they did a fantastic job sealing that track and preparing it for as much water that got th- tossed onto it. I know those guys are uh, sweating bullets um, throughout the night show. Un- unfortunately, whatever happens, happens. They're really at the mercy of uh, of Mother Nature, but I really felt like the track held up as about as well as it can. Um, watching. 250Fs go like double double through that one section and then hit a left hander and then quad quad like not everyone was able to do it but a few guys were able to jump it every time on a 250F I don't know if that kind of tells me that 250Fs are a little bit too much power these days or if those guys are just uh, if the the track was just that well maintained throughout the the evening to make that possible but either way I was impressed and uh, the Dirtworks guys should hold their head high uh, in respect to uh, the the way the track broke down or, or didn't break down for that matter
1: 100 percent, couldn't agree more uh i think it has a little bit to do with the bikes just being ungodly fast and wow. maybe a little bit of extra talent a little yeah. bit of extra talent these guys have
0: <laughs> no but, credit no, I mean, it's, no it's, credit to, you know, to the dirt works you heard it here first. yeah no
1: there's there's credit to dirt works guys but get me I'm wrong uh, <laughs> no they they actually did a did a pretty good job uh for as much rain as we got i don't think tv did did justice to no just how uh, just how wet it was. I mean, it was pouring. Like the the pits were flooded in some spots. Walking out, you know, there was like ankle high water as you're rolling your gear back through. Like it was, it rained quite a, quite a bit. So you know, the fact that these uh, guys were still able to like do the triple, um, you know, before that um, that right the left handed ribbon section and still kind of do the double double and the quad quad, um, you know, it, it really shows a number of factors, you know, the track being uh, you know, meticulously kept up and, uh, the rider's talent and, and, you know, and the rest, it was, uh, it was definitely adverse conditions. You know, I'm not saying it's a Seattle by any means, but it, it wasn't easy out there.
0: No, no, I, I, like you, I think you're right. I, I talked to, uh, Uh, Colt Nichols about this maybe an hour ago about just how deceiving the amount of water that was coming down on the track was just because certain shots it looked like uh, a torrential downpour and then you see these guys jumping and you're like something doesn't compute but uh, I think that just speaks volumes to uh, uh, the bikes the riders and the tracks coming together to uh, create something special Um, one thing that I found I I thought just sort of as a side note that sort of helped out racing throughout the night um, the lap times being around a minute um, something that a lot of people don't think of when you have longer lap times is that typically, um, because you usually, on a shorter lap time, typically you get into lappers really soon. And then, uh, by the time the race is over, the lappers are really spread out. But with a, a one minute lap time, typically you're going to uh, experience lap lappers obviously a little bit later. And also at the, at the very tail end, uh, the lappers are actually going to be a little bit more bunched up. And, and still racing because there's sort of guys at the back of the pack and stuff like that uh that are getting lapped at that sort of stage uh so there's a little bit different dynamic uh than than the, your leaders might be used to with a shorter lap time but uh uh it, it seemed to me uh the only guy that I can think of and we'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast that got really affected by the lap or lap traffic was Dean Wilson, who uh, was one of the first guys to come across it. And uh, that basically, that's what uh, sort of uh, got him jumbled up to lose the lead. And eventually losing uh, the, the third place spot to Eli Tomac was, uh, was kind of a Lappers situation where he wasn't able to uh, sort of move his line. It was a, a, a race night where you were sort of uh, committed to certain lines. and I think that's sort of how it broke down for Dean. But for the most part, Lappers weren't really that much of a deal.
1: Yeah, you you bring up a good point about the the longer lap times kind of lending itself to to getting the the lappers more into the next towards the later part of the race, which I think for the four fifty class is a little bit more a uh, little bit more of a of a factor, if you will. So, riders like Tomac and Roxton, those guys are strong the entire race and they're known for attacking in the latter half. So, you know, at that like six five four laps to go those guys are attacking that's when Eli does a lot of damage and, uh, and you'll start to see the the guys who are really fit and those elite guys they'll start to make their make their pounce and when you know when Dino's having a battle with you know the the conditions of the track uh making sure he's not freaking out because he's leading most of the race of a you know a premier premier class um in front of you know the entire world and then you've got lappers in the mix, you know, that are starting to starting to show themselves and get bunched up and derail you. That's a lot to kind of throw on. And, and that's, I think all of that kind of culminated into, into Dino, uh, you know, succumbing to the guys that were behind them. So um, that's definitely a good point And I think that's what kind of what played out towards the end there. And I, I know they, they really tried to do a, a decent job at waving the blue flag. We saw a few guys just furiously waving in the lappers faces, but, on a track like this where it's kind of one line and you you know you kinda of don't want to stray away from that line or else you're probably gonna go down because it's so slick. Um yeah it it's it's definitely something that that caught up with Dino and um it, it makes you wonder what would have happened if you know we had a, a regular draw race with Dino still have been able to run away with it. Would he have had enough time to hold it at bay, would you have dabbled back a little bit harder and not wrote really as conservative. So a lot of a lot of unanswered questions.
0: For sure. I think uh like and we'll get to, like this is sort of my last little tidbit, but I'll I'll throw it out now. One race, a mud race, such a small sample size, so so hard to uh, take anything away from this. Uh, you can sort of just get a de- a, a a vague idea of what to, what's to expect in the weeks to come, um, but uh, we'll, we'll sort of just analyze what we saw on the weekend and then let uh, after maybe after three weeks uh, get a better picture of what's uh, what's to come for this series. Uh, I, I find after three four races is when you really start to take shape of what the championship looks like. Of course, uh, everyone says that the, the championship doesn't start till Daytona, but uh, I'm not willing to wait that until I believe round nine to uh, To let people know what I think is uh, is is, is going to happen this season, but a uh, um, couple last uh, a couple of notes before we get into the the two fifties as far as results go. The broadcast you didn't watch it, I did. A um, couple of small notes. Uh, RC not nearly as bad as on um, people on Twitter thought he would be. I think the guy is uh, well, in my opinion, he's the greatest motocross racer of all time. Never. Uh, and I, uh, not, not to say that uh, you have to be a, uh, the greatest racer in the world to be the best analyst of all time. Uh, Lord knows that you don't have to be the best, the best racer of all time to be a great coach uh, in, in motocross. AJ Catanzaro is a, is a great example of that, a guy that, uh, for all intents and purposes, a far better coach of motocross, than he is a racer of motocross, even though he is a top fight pro- uh, professional. Um, RC did an admirable job. He will get better at it. For, like, uh, I would like to think that my first broadcast is, uh, is not as good as my 100th or 200th broadcast. I think if he's in that chair long enough to put up those types of numbers, he will get better at it. That's just from time and experience. Uh, the only time that uh, RC sort of put his foot in his mouth was uh, during the 450 LCQ, and I had to chuckle at this one where he had mentioned that the lap times had gotten a little bit slower than earlier on in the evening. Uh, or versus the qualifying times uh, due to the rain. But uh, most people would also um, acknowledge the fact that uh, the 450 LCQ usually doesn't have the same racers in it as the uh, qualifying race, uh, times or the, uh, the heat races for that matter. So uh, I, th- I found that kind of funny um, to think that uh, he was comparing the 450 LCQ's lap times to the, the, those from earlier that day.
1: It's a little bit different in speed.
0: Slightly, slightly. Uh, slightly,
1: slightly different. Yeah. There's about
0: 18 guys worth of talent missing from that race, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna hold it to him that much. The, the, I think he was trying to get to the, uh, the point across that uh, a two minute, a minute two second lap time was quite slow in comparison to uh, uh, the the qualifying times that were getting knocked down earlier in the day, which were around 54 seconds. Also. Uh I I got to hand it off to Ralph. Uh he really did did, did I, like I I'm sure he sold some t-shirts for Dean Wilson cuz uh, I think he took about as many opportunities as he could to mention that uh that Dean Wilson was selling t-shirts to go racing. I'm not too sure if he's aware that Dean Wilson is a multimillionaire and uh owns property in uh I believe at least two states, in California and Florida for that matter. Um, he's a former champion in the sport, uh, he was up until a few months ago a factory supported rider and uh, basically he's selling merchandise uh, not because he needs to to, sell ra- to go racing, he's selling merchandise because he can because people are willing to, to buy them to support his racing and he doesn't want to pay all out of his own pocket um, and, and, and obviously uh, people are just excited about Dean and they're willing to buy uh, uh, buy merch. At no point uh, do I feel like we need to have a bake sale uh, for Dean Wilson to go racing? I think he's got some pretty good support from teams like uh, from like the the Rockstar uh, Husky team, as well as of course Rockstar uh, Energy Drink has really stepped up for him. So uh, uh, no bake sale for Dean Wilson.
1: Yeah, I don't think he needs it, but it is cool to see that he's kind of interacting with his fans like that, where he's making merch that he knows people will kind of be hyped about, and, and like the, you know like the Grandpa Earl ones or. Um, or the one where, you know, he's got the dumb and dumber uh, sort of meme going with the, you know, the face you make when you pull up to a super cross track or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. uh, it is cool to see riders like him embrace the fact that they have like that cult following and cater to, to the fans of the sport. But yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I don't think he really needs it. And um, you know, even though he is a privateer, he's still getting some decent support. He's still turning a profit. So um, I, I just think there's, you know the the level of privateerness, I guess, if you let me use my own word, um, is a little bit different between him and somebody like a you know Josh Greco or a Kevin Tappy or something, you know.
0: Right, of course, those two riders uh, not making the night show. So uh, I, I, was, I like your little pot shot at those two guys, um, <laughs> who are also on the opposite scale, uh, opposite uh, scale of the spectrum, um, opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to uh, motocross gear sizes. And that's just, uh, yeah. Um, oh man! <laughs> um, in all reality, I think uh, Josh Greco might be the smallest person in the world that races professional motocross. It's uh, he's like 125 pounds soaking wet. Uh, and tevin hey, is he's got, a,
1: he's, got a, he's got a big heart
0: yes he does uh, and, and if we, of which he offers to many uh, a female um, <laughs> uh, females throughout the uh, the supercross season um, yeah, let's get got, into the
1: <laughs> let's get into the racing
0: here we're, we're half hour into this sucker um, and and we haven't talked about the racing congratulations to Colt Nichols a huge Uh, huge race for him. Uh, he's fan, he's, he's been a, a race, a racer who has shown potential throughout his career and, um... Just a guy who has, has shown class. He has he's a great interview. We've had him on the podcast a number of times. He's dealt with injuries. He's a guy that uh, he's a bit of a like kind of a, a blue collar champion, if you can, if you will. Guys like you, guys like me, who uh, just really love the guys who just make motocross look like a cool job to have. He's one of them, and uh, good guy. Colt Nichols grabs his first professional win uh, in Supercross, and I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, what did you see from the guy who uh, uh, got a great start, led it from wire to wire, and got himself a checkered flag?
1: I would say that this was probably one of the most impressive races I've seen for a little while. Um, Colt looked solid. And when I mean solid, I mean his starts were on point. Um, his timing was on. Uh, he got through wrappers really, really nicely, um, you know, he didn't look nervous at all or, you know, a lot of guys like we saw in the, in the 450, maybe like a Malcolm and, uh, Dino got a little bit tight, a little bit nervous as the, the clock kind of wore down. Colt stayed super consistent. Um, you know, his, his form was on point and it, it, it was a really, really, really textbook. Uh, way to ride a motorcycle, you know what I mean? He can take a lot from this from, from past ride. Um, and Colt's a great Supercross rider. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, wow, we're, we're shocked and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Colt's really, he's, he's really good at Supercross. You know, he's had some podiums, and uh, we've seen last, really, last year year before for a little bit, he was really uh, was really on a tear getting some good finishes. So, I, honestly, I'm not really surprised that he, that he got a win. I'm just kind of surprised he got it so early um, and really didn't make many mistakes on his way to that win.
0: Yeah, no, he, I don't think he, he... He admitted that he had a couple of close calls, but um, for the most part, uh, I, from any, for anybody else watching on, uh, didn't put a wheel wrong. He uh, um, like was successful in beating his teammate, Dylan Ferrandez, as well as uh, other championship uh, hopeful and, uh, honestly, most people's odds-on favorite, uh, Shane McElrath, for the win. Uh, and those two guys had... Uh, they got to be rolling out of... Um, Anaheim won with their heads held high, knowing that uh, they didn't lose it on the first uh, the first race. Anytime you're on the podium after round one, uh, I think you basically uh, uh, pack your pack your gear up and uh, chalk that one up as as a good weekend and uh, on to Phoenix.
1: Exactly, and you know as the saying goes, you know you, you can't win a a championship at a one, but you can damn sure lose one. And yes, um, you, you could see a lot of guys were working, keeping that notion in front of their mind on on Saturday. You know, not only was it a one. But it was also a muddy A one, so you had to really be on your toes. Uh, and in this class, we talked about it on our, uh, you know, our preseason pod. Uh, you have to be there every single weekend. Every position matters. Every point matters. Uh, so yeah, the top three they're they're sitting pretty right now. I know Ferrandis. You know, could he have stepped it up a little bit? Yeah, I'm sure he could have, but I'm sure right now the top five are are just happy being the top five. You know, obviously you want to win, but the fact that you're able to stay in the top five, you know, and, and move on, get past that um, very nerve wracking first round. um, I think it's very important and it's, it's good that they're, that they're, that it's over with. Um, You know, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of a battle front between Ferrandez and, and AC and AC was my odds on, um, you know, favorite pick to win the first race. Uh, But, you know, we still have a lot, a lot of racing to go. The, The mud made for some interesting racing. Especially between AC and RJ, there uh, was some some pretty decent bar banging, um, and you know, and I think McGrath wrote a very quiet third. So uh, you know, he's always consistent. We always expect him to be up up front on the podium somewhere, and I think we we mentioned that he, we we think he's going to end up holding a red plate for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this was, a, was an overall a really, really good race. Um, the top three, is, it's surprised a little bit, but not so much. Um, and I'm excited to see how this shakes out. I'm really looking forward to uh, Arizona this weekend. Great track layout, it looks like. Good stadium. And I think these guys are really going to duke it out. And we've got, I mean, just a. a
0: Rain will pretty not big be a factor.
1: To, yeah, exactly. Rain will not be a factor. So that's good. Um but yeah we've got a, we've got a list of riders who could potentially win, so i, I you know it, it's when it's more than than three or four guys that could win a win a championship, that's gonna make for some really, really exciting racing.
0: Yes, it will. um question for you. if Adam Sin doesn't fox with uh r j. Hampshire, does he uh race forward uh quickly enough to catch? Um, the leaders there and be part of that top three pack. I feel like that obviously that derailed is his race. He was able to get back to fifth, uh, behind RJ, but, uh, I, I gotta think that you're a little bit disappointed, uh, coming out of, uh, Anaheim one, you can't be totally disappointed cause it's still a fifth. Uh, things could, to- would of course, be worse. But uh, yeah, I, I think Adam B- uh, put himself in a really tough position. Uh, like I, I don't, I don't think it was totally uh, intentional, sort of like to, to ride uh, RJ as high as he did in the in the fire of the whoops. But uh, uh, definitely pissed off old Rick, and uh, RJ came down the whoops uh, with uh, uh, with a vengeance and uh, executed a pretty nice uh, aggressive pass there. That is that is textbook Supercross. Like, don't mess with me, um, Supercross Pass. I had no problem with it.
1: I, I didn't either. You know, even though I was kind of rooting for AC.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm an AC fan. Of, don't, that, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, like, I like AC. I, I root for a guy who I just love to see potential realized. I like to see guys who have raw talent race to their yep. potential. And that's what we have not yet seen with Adam Ciencero consistently his professional career. I want to see him do well. Um, but at the same time, when you ride a guy high like that and you don't run away quickly enough, or if you don't block off the inside well enough, uh, that's what happens in Supercross. You get, uh, you get punted.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. A lot of people were kind of debating, Hey, was it a clean pass? That was a little bit uncalled for. I say hell no. I mean, that, that was, that was a, that was a quote unquote clean pass, um, It was uh, it was it was definitely something you could you you could see it was sort of like uh, RJ's answer to AC, you know, hey, you're not going to be pushing me around this whole season, like you know. um, By by no means was it like a malicious, super angry clean-out. Oh no, but he wanted to let him know. That's not like Josh Grant on
0: uh, Mookie a couple of years last year or two Uh, years ago. Yeah,
1: definitely not. No, I mean, he just wanted to let him know that hey, you're going to have to work for this title, you know, it's. Because, you know, it, it, you and I were saying this could be AC season. The rest of the industry was saying it. And I'm sure that's kind of getting under a lot of people's skin, especially his competitors. So I think that was just RJ's answer to, to AC. Okay, okay, you know, this is, my, this, is, this is my chance at winning a title as well, and I'm not gonna, just going to lay down and let someone take it from me. Um, you know, if, if AC stayed up, could he have caught the top three? I'm going to go with no. Uh, I think those guys are riding really well. I don't think AC was coming through the pack uh, fast enough, and the way that he needed to to make up that time, I don't think the track would have allowed, allowed him to do that. And, you know, he's not catching back markers. You know, he's catching guys like Shane McElrath, uh, you know, and, and Dylan Ferrandez. Those guys aren't easy to, to run down. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think he would have caught him. I think the best he could have done was a really close fourth, um, but I still think the top three would have shaked out the way it is now.
0: Fair enough. So maybe he uh, he gains another two points for his efforts. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, um, definitely put a good foot forward there uh, for his efforts. Uh, I, I, was, I was pumped on uh, just the speed that, uh, that Adam showed. Definitely showed uh, that he'll have something for the boys uh, in Phoenix this weekend. I don't know if you caught any of it. They didn't show it on TV whatsoever. But uh, Cameron McAdoo and Jess Pettis must have had probably the most epic battle that two racers have had in the 250 class because uh, every time I'd look one was like that. One guy was in scoring timing and scoring ahead of the other, uh, and they would flip flop back and forth. So I would assume if there was fifteen laps in the race, they passed each other about fifteen times. Um, that would have been a race for the ages. I hope that you caught even a little bit of that.
1: I caught a little bit. You know, I'm keeping eye on Jeff Pedis. You know, being that I'm a uh, Canadian MX fan, uh, you know, and and kind of followed Jeff Pettis through his career a little bit. I was really shocked to see him at uh, at A1 and wanted to see how he did. Um, and you know, keep an eye on McAdoo too with that fill-in ride, and see if he would, you know, really earn his keep there.
0: You did, um, much. and yeah, I,
1: I yeah, I have to, I'd say it's a, definitely a lackluster finish for somebody on a factory ride. And you and I are, have talked about that too; we were both blue in the face. Yes. Um. But yeah, they were definitely, they were definitely bashing it up until you were black there. in the
0: face.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> I held my breath too. I held my, my my breath too long. Um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, it was it was it was definitely some some cool dicing. I wish I would have followed it a little bit closer. I was too busy looking at the AC RJ sort of battle. Um, but yeah, but those guys were worth duking it out. And it was nice to see that Pettis wasn't too timid in his first Supercross. Um, he didn't look like he was, you know, uncomfortable at all, or or uh, or like a fish out of the water, like we see a lot of guys who um, who hop into their their first AMA Supercross race. So um, kudos to him. I think you know, tenth was a pretty respectable ride. I think you know he could shoot for definitely a top seven if he if he keeps riding the way he's riding and hopefully McAdoo follows suit too because he's got to earn that ride man we've said it before and these these factory rides are few and far between and when you get a chance to ride on one you better damn well shine
0: yes yes you better damn well and we'll get to uh one of the more underperforming riders at the tail end of this I think you know who I'm going to be talking about he'll probably never do an interview with me but I'm upset um Great first race for uh, Garrett March or not Garrett Garrett Marchbanks. Yeah, Garrett Marchbanks. Fantastic ride for the kid. Sixth place. Kept his nose clean. Did a little bit of racing with his teammate. At one point, it was uh, dual PC bikes flying through the whoops. That's just a a, a nice uh, ad for Renthal right there. Um, yeah, uh, just a great ride from him, did, w- did anything stand out from uh, from Garrett's r- ride, or it was it sort of, like, he was a bit of a quiet sixth, because uh, he wasn't quite in the uh, the uh, McAdoo-Pettis um, battle, he wasn't really around Hayes or blos whatsoever, he was sort of just riding his own race, and then Adam was crashing around him, and eventually got him back, but uh, pretty good ride for uh if you 're walking out of your first Supercross race ever you're in the top ten closer pretty close to the top five you're you're pretty happy about it i think if you're Garrett marchbanks
1: oh definitely especially for for garrett marchbanks and he's he's a really fast guy um uh, but i think his his riding style is a little bit erratic sometimes like he's still you definitely tell he 's still a rookie he's kind of a little bit out of control at some spots and he's got a definitely definitely a unique riding style so um I was honestly surprised to see him with the six and he didn't look too sketchy out there, so I think he might be more of a supercross rider than the more you know maybe so motocross and I only say that because of the um the the comfort that he seems to have on on that s x track he was just not mm-hmm. as not as squirrely mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, it was def- definitely quiet not as not as uh, event filled but hey, i mean. That those aren't bad races to have when you can quietly sneak in the top six and have no controversy around you and, and ride to a respectable finish. I'll take that race any day.
0: For sure. The way I see it is uh, just about every team other than Husqvarna is, uh, has two riders at the factory-supported level. Um, so basically, if you're a factory-supported guy, um, for all intents and purposes, your worst position should be 11th. Yes, no? Two guys on every team... If you are, like, if, if, like, there's, for no reason should a guy that's not on a factory support team be in front of you. I feel like, um, like, obviously racing's racing, bad things happen, whatever. But uh, if you are, if two Kawasaki's in the top six, um, that's uh, that means like you're 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 performing at a pretty t- a high clip. Same thing with the 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 Yamaha guys putting two on the podium is a good showing for those manufacturers. Uh, arena cross talent coming in Jacob Hayes and uh, a surprising ride from Chris Blows. I had this guy not even uh, like he was kind of an outside chance of making the main, and he uh, shut me up with a top ten finish. Um, and and the bike looked good. I don't know. Like, some people were bagging on the on the Black Husky. But uh, I like uh, Chris Bloss' uh, setup, um, and I liked uh, I liked, uh, I liked Hayes as well. He looked racy. He looked competitive. He looked like he was trying to prove a point that maybe uh, a team should have given him more of a fair shake. Uh, of course, uh, like Rock River Yamaha is a great ride, but I, I think he would have uh, loved to have grabbed a spot on, uh, on say, a Star Racing or uh, TLD or even a uh, Pro Secret Kawasaki.
1: I agree. I think he looks very good. Um if he if he can keep this up, um, I, I definitely think he'd be getting some phone calls towards the end of the season, uh, maybe for some fill-ins or maybe on the roster for 2020. But um, I, I will say, you know, we talked about it in the previous pod um, that this was a year that you know Jacob Hayes could kind of make a a, a breakout name for himself and be more of a uh, more of a household name. You know, if people kind of associate him with this this the arena cross type stuff because he is a you know arena cross champion. Um, but I think he, he this could be his year to go more mainstream, and I think with an eighth place, that's well on on his way to to do that for himself. Um, you know, it's not the most stellar ride we've seen, but it's also, it's really good for somebody who's kind of making making their entrance into the into the supercross world like this. So, um, if if you keep this up and, and you can kind of sneak in where you know Jimmy and, and March Marchbanks kind of ended up with that seventh, sixth, maybe battle for a top five or here here and there, it's a really really solid season. I'm sure his team would be really happy with that
0: one. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, AJE Motorsports, uh, also known as the Gas Monkey team, they had to be pumped with, I believe that's their first top 10 finish if uh, if they didn't get one last year with uh, the great Justin Starling, who uh, didn't start the 250 LCQ. So I might have to text Starling, see what was up with that, maybe an injury that uh, he sustained yeah, he through a little, the day. He had a little bit of a get-off. Yeah, he got brought out on the stretcher and still Ooh. somehow was able to so somehow
1: able to walk away, and um, I think he even rode his bike around the pits a little bit to see how he was feeling. Um, and someone said he might have, might have even rode a little bit after that too. So um, who knows? But yeah, it was definitely it sounded like it was as we get off. Sounds like he doesn't have any major injuries, just a little bit, you know, black and blue. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, we see him at this, you know, at, at Glen, Glendale this past uh, this next weekend.
0: Fair enough. So, first time we're seeing Jerry Robin on the West Coast and uh, first time, I believe, in his professional career that we're seeing Jerry Robin in the top 15 in uh, an overall night show result. Uh, a great ride from him, unexpected and uh, proving that at least for one night, Leopards can change their spots.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was good to see Jerry out there. Um, you know, Jerry's a phenomenal talent. Um, I, don't, I don't think we've seen an ace of his potential when he's comfortable and the nerves aren't there. Jerry is extremely good, extremely fast, extremely talented. And in practice, you know, uh, open practice when he didn't really have that uh, that pressure on him, he was moving. I mean, you know, granted it wasn't, you know, it was wasn't the most uh, wasn't the most stable ride. It was still a little out of control here or there. But I think once he really hones that in, kind of gets his confidence up, and and rides smooth, is when the nerves get to him. I think we're going to, we can see some really, really good rides from him. I would not be shocked to see Jerry get in the top 10. I mean, granted, he'd have to get, you know, get his program a little bit more together and, and kind of get the, that's not a question. Head, I think but. that
0: like Jerry Robin has more, probably has more raw speed than Chris Blos, And if oh, yeah. he gets a great start, I think like that's, He's right along the lines of 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 a Jacob Hayes and and, Blos, and they, those guys just put the, oh, put in the top 10 right off top. Actually, I was going to mention before we even go to the commercial. I don't know about you, but I think that maybe this year there's it seems to be a little bit kind of taken off the the depth of talent in the 250 class at least on the west. I think so too. Um, like I was looking at a few of the names in the LCQ, and I'm like, I don't know if those guys yeah. were fighting to make mains last year. Like there was exactly. uh, no no like, I'll probably call him up in a couple of weeks. And hats off to him for making his second main ever, um, Logan Carnow, And he's definitely done. He's been improving, but uh, we're talking about a guy who was was having a hard time making night shows in the 450 class last year. Um, making his the first main event at Anaheim one for two fifties when everybody is on the line with Obsession, of course uh, um, starling there so like I, I feel like there might be a slight like if you're playing fantasy and if you're listening to this you probably do play fantasy um, there's a like I, I I'm not sure sure if uh, if those the guys making the uh, the handicaps have taken this to into account yet but there seems to be a little bit less depth of talent in the 250 class this year
1: i i can see that um i think what we're seeing is we see a lot of uh like you know top main guys um and just probably like an equal amount of, of lesser known guys so instead of having a lot of guys who are um sort of like that in between second tier we mm-hmm. only have really three or four of those guys as opposed to previous years we have you know maybe. Ten top tier factory riders, maybe ten mid level title eight riders, and then another ten um, or more um, lesser known privateers. Yeah, this year is a little. I think it's a little, little bit different. So some of those filler spots we're not really seeing. So we're either right. super fast, or maybe just making the the cut for the for the um, LCQ top four. So yeah, I think I think that, that kinda, that's that kind of that's what's more so it. Um, I will say I do not blame a lot of the talent for going to the East Coast. If I was racing, I would definitely choose the East Coast just for the, the, the texture of dirt. It's a little bit more forgiving, in my opinion, not as slick. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, with, with that being said, there's a, good, there's a lot of opportunity now for those guys who may not have had the opportunity to make a main event in the past to make one this year. Uh, to 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 kind of get that confidence rolling in a little bit more, so yeah, um, I mean the spots spots are open. You know, we could see some some uh, some Supercross stars being brought in. You know, you, you never know. So um, yeah, who knows?
0: For sure, like I, I see guys like uh, Bradley Lionett making it into the main quite easily, and like sort of sort of guys that were in main events last year that consistently that you're not seeing this year. Guys like Noah McConaughey. Guys like uh, uh, Justin Heft, um, no more Michael Leib, uh, Blake Wharton, who was in the in the class late in the season last year, he's not there. Um, there's no 250 guy from the uh, Rocky Mountain ATV MC KTM team, so you don't you don't have Dakota Alex uh, racing in that class. You only have one guy from uh, from Husky, uh, whereas I believe last year you had two. Um, it's there's a few things that that uh, like Ryan Brees has moved from the 250 class to now racing uh privateer 450. Uh, same same goes for a couple other guys and and also like Cole Martinez who would otherwise be racing in this class um, is is concerned himself with the four, with the uh, the German championship. Like there's more than a few things that sort of came into play here. Uh, which I think kind of affected the depth of field. Like you don't have barn pros as a team anymore. Slayton's not around anymore. Um, t- certain teams have gone away. Of course, certain guys have also been brought in. Like you, you didn't see a, a, a full complement of riders from uh, AJE last year. I think believe it was just uh, uh, it was Starling and one other guy. I can't think off. The th- it was actually it was it was Martinez. Uh, so a little bit of talent taken out. Like uh, IB Corp is gone. Uh, uh Rockwell is only a one person team and I think that uh if if they didn't have their issues with uh, some engine stuff I think that that's one more spot that would have been taken up in the main event with uh with Harrison leading uh, at least a portion of the first lap of the uh, of the heat race so that you can pencil him in for for some mains as well so I think that may have uh like definitely turned itself into some um Irregular guys in the main event uh, for this particular round. I think maybe things change a little bit uh, going into Phoenix, uh, but for the most part, yeah, there's a there's a, a good amount of talent not coming back. Like you could literally just take the entire IB Corp team, which were all main event guys, and like they're not there anymore, other than Martin Castello, who's racing a uh, a privateer Suzuki, which I believe is a Jamie Ellis project.
1: Yeah, you you nailed it on the head. You know, um, with with teams like that that aren't there anymore, it's it it, it leaves it open. You know, um, it, it it'd, be, it'd be really really nice to see a lot more of these uh, a lot more of these guys come back, a lot more of these teams. But like I said before, I mean, it's also cool to kind of leave that that fifteenth through twenty second spot kind of open for um, for lesser known guys. You know, it it kind of breaks it up a little bit. We kind of get our new crop of. Uh, of, of main of event regulars, you know, I, I kind of dig that a little bit, you know, I, yeah. I feel like it's a little bit lacking in talent sometimes, but, you know, this could be a year where we get some new, t- some new uh, some fresh talent.
0: Absolutely. And you, Set it up on a T for me. The last thing I'm going to say before throwing it to commercial break quickly, and we're going to go talk about the 450s for a short bit, is sandwiched right smack dab in the middle of that 15 to 20 range is factory-supported KTM TLD number 40 in your program, likely not number one in your hearts, Sean Cantrell, who uh, did not have an A1 to remember. And uh, with that, we'll throw it to commercial break here on the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by SickWix. Hey, Big MX listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you gotta check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love it. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day a passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality Purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima Racing Oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.MaximaUSA.com. We're gonna do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still gonna do the thing. I can just let go. Put our metal fingers off with a smile and let it roll. not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world.
1: I grew up in Newhall. That was 8.05. I got into this can I said, so that is a badass fucking can. The beer is even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun and kill it.
0: Fast ass is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there throw down. I do it my way and that's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and i am got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner, that mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realize, let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted, just you ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, super cross season is coming and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer, nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice session, sessions, talking about the race track, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience. Check it out. Google the collective experience First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff you guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can, like, Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, The Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast.
1: Hey, guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. love being on the show and talk to you soon.
0: And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by SickWix, of course, as well as the Collective Experience. Go to thecollectivexp.com right now. Check it out. Sign yourself up for an experience like no other. Live your dream with the collective experience. Here on the line with Dave Drakes, the Dave Drakes. The Dave Drakes in my phone who's now mookish because of his hair. (laughs) Uh, I've changed your name in my phone. You're still eating an ice cream cone in the photo that I – Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, you are. The, oh no! You're you're just getting in there. It's awesome, but uh, let's talk 450s. I think the guy who deserves the most amount of uh, buzz uh, is, of course, the guy who wins this thing first time in six years that he knocks this off. Maybe like five and change um, as far as uh, the separation in time. Third longest separation in wins in Supercross history. Justin Barsha takes home your first place trophy and uh yeah, the guy got married over the over the the off season he's rolling in with a uh, uh a full factory contract not a not a part time deal this time last year he's on the podium this year he's on top of the podium uh this thing's come full circle for him and uh yeah just like good things to be said for justin barsha uh I know you were you're a fan of the guy I think that it's hilarious that uh in an era where uh, like, the, the Yamaha win ad is going to have a black front fender, and that just makes me uh, die a little bit inside. What are your thoughts?
1: I have to agree with you on that last fact. I'm not too super pumped that that bike is going to be shown everywhere now. So I'm going to be sick to my clinic for a little bit. No, no, the but red I plates probably
0: look good with a black front fender. Who knows? Let's, let's hope it ties it in. I mean, I'm not, again, not talking
1: about black. Uh, black black goes bike. with everything. <laughs> I, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But I am really stoked that it was Justin Barcia riding the bike because, like you said, I am a Justin Barcia fan. And for some reason, um, you know, it's known that Barcia is really great in in adverse conditions, great in the mud, uh, pretty solid in the sand, great in the in the muddy, rainy, sandy mix. Whatever you throw at him, he's pretty solid at, and can really can really shine. Uh, but for some reason, this guy was still not on my radar until I saw him out front in the main event, and I was like, oh, yeah, duh, it's raining. Barsha should be out front, you know. Um, hacked off to Barsha. Really, really solid ride. Uh, I think in the past, we're used to seeing Barsha kind of get a little on the squirrelier side, maybe push the push the issue a little more than he has to and end up, you know, either with, with falls or getting into it with some other riders, and he looks solid. I think he's riding that wave that he got last year with a lot of good wins with getting more comfortable on that on that big Yamaha. And he looks phenomenal. I would equate his ride to maybe like a Colt Nichols where they were just clicking off the lap solidly, uh, looked confident, didn't falter, didn't let the nerves get to them. You know, Barsha may have had a few little mistakes here and there, but for the most part, kept it super solid. So, um, you know, again, hats off to Barsha. I think this is setting him up for a really, really nice season. He's a very mental rider, so I know this confidence will help him. And I hope that this means that we get one more, one more face that could possibly win a race. Um, I really oh want, for sure that makes, that
0: that's what it means. I,
1: I hope so because I really, I really, I really don't want this to just be a one rate you know, type of deal. That we see Barsha run back to the top five. I want to see this this guy in the podium all the time, um, sticking his nose in with Eli and Roxen and the, and Blueskin, the guys that we always talk about winning this this thing. Um, and then you know maybe getting an, uh, another rider, maybe a Pussinger or Savachi, whatever it is, but just makes it. Makes a great parity in the in, in the in this class and it makes it very interesting. And same thing with the two fifties. Now we have a list of guys that we know are capable of winning, I, and Barsha just got added to that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Now, now there are five five guys that I could see winning races uh, in this Supercross season. Maybe throw another one in there, but uh, whoever that would be with outside shot, but because with five guys that can win. That means you basically have to have five guys have a bad night for somebody else to throw their hat in the ring. Uh, and if that would, if we would have six different winners in Supercross, I think that's pretty much unheard of. We might have had only a like maybe 2012 is probably the only other time that it happened, um, which is which is fantastic. And of course, that season goes down as one of the greatest in all history. Um, but. Um, yeah, like this. This is uh, this is unprecedented coming back from a guy that uh, thirteen months ago was uh, looking at hanging up the boots. It's been a good career. I got a factory or I got a, a privateer Honda to uh, yeah, like yeah, Yamaha's first win in six years since James Bubba Stewart and the number seven took a uh, took a win in uh, in twenty twelve. Um, yeah, it's twenty twelve, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, uh, 13, 13, No, well, I don't know. Either way uh first first win for for Yamaha since then and that's that's wild um second place just a strong ride from Ken Roxton. like uh not like a not he didn't grab the whole shot or anything just sort of like didn't find himself in any trouble the first few laps navigated the the track to the best of his ability got himself in the second place spot uh i think he pressured a little bit but also i think that he sort of uh also took inventory of the situation being you're in second place at the biggest race of the year as far as kicking things off and uh rode her home to a second place spot
1: that was really surprising um even though i did pick him in my fantasy for a second spot i still had a little bit of doubt um kind of based around uh this roxon arm how was it going to hold up and and when you and I talked about it, you know, it hasn't really been made clear if he's feeling or not. You know, we hear from one report that he's feeling good, another one that he's still feeling the an injury, another one saying that he might come back to be even better, another one saying that he'll never be the same again. So he was still kind of a mystery to me, um, but he looked very, very good in that race. Um, I, I do think he wrote a little bit more conservative because we've seen uh, Roxton really, really push and really get aggressive. Um, he's one of the only guys that can ride aggressive without really making too many mistakes, you know, giving his all without... You know, having a slide out or something like that. Um, I do think he looked conservative, but I'm, I'm really happy that he, he left A1 healthy with a bunch of points. Um, second, there's nothing to, to, to snicker at. You know, it was a really, really solid ride. Uh, and I hope that this gives him, uh, just like Barsha, a little bit of confidence and, um, in a battle with, with, with Tomac. I think that's his main main rival right now. His main nemesis is going to be Eli Tomac and overcoming that Tomac train that's been just, a, you know, dominating supercross and outdoors and stuff. And I think that Roxon is really, uh, really gonna have a, really gonna have a solid season. I don't want to see any more injuries. I don't think this guy can afford anymore, uh, Just mentally taxing on him, I, I imagine. Um, but I, I think he, I think he's got the stuff. You know, I think that he's got what it takes to to consistently be in the on the podium with with, with, with these guys. I think he's another one that could definitely win. Um, I I thought for a minute there that we were gonna see him try to make a push at Barsha and take the win away from him. But um, you know, like I said, we're a little bit more conservative than I thought. But you know. At the name of the game, he wrote, he wrote out A1 healthy with a bunch of points, and I'm excited for this weekend. This, I think this is a track that we're going to see uh, a bunch of guys really start to assert themselves and, and, and do it, figure get out at.
0: Heck yeah. We've got a lot, some long sections. Uh, it's a big stadium. They, they have a massive floor and always uh, oh, turns out to be a pretty decent track. Uh, quite a few 90-degree turns, uh, although there's also, like like I said, it's a big, Big uh, big track, so hopefully that won't uh, impede uh, too much follow the leader. Because of course everyone knows that there is only one way through a ninety degree turn, kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. Um, ter- terrible start for. Uh, Eli tomac he salvages it to charge forward for a third, knocking uh, Dean Wilson off the podium before we talk about uh tomac's rise to uh, the podium let's talk about Dean leading fourteen of twenty laps and uh, on a privateer effort, like I said earlier, the guy had to uh, uh, sell the t shirt off of his back so that he could race this weekend uh, pretty impressive ride for a guy who uh, doesn't have two nickels to rub together. <laughs>
1: yeah he's uh he's hurting man yeah definitely uh yeah super solid ride um i think the place erupted when you know we were ten minutes in, and Dino started pulling a little bit of a gap on these on these guys and he he looked he looked good, I thought for sure that he was going you know stay stay in his kind stay in his lane not not push too too hard, but still right aggressive enough to keep those guys behind him and navigate the track well uh and I think he kind of let let the nerve get him a little bit. Uh, I think he kind of rode a little bit tight with about like that, you know, that fourteen fifteen minute mark, and the lapper certainly didn't didn't help either. So uh, I I really really wish we could have seen Dino end up on the podium, uh, how he even even nabbed the win that would have really stuck it in, into uh, uh, that Husqvarna uh, Rockstar factory outfit and it showed him, hey man, you should have you really should have signed me again. Um, I think he's got got a lot more of these rides in him. I think he's comfortable on the bike. I think he's 100% healthy and he feels really confident in his program. Uh, And all those three things add up to a pretty lethal Dean Wilson. So um, I wouldn't count this guy out to to repeat what he did. Uh, I'd be very shocked if he goes this whole season without getting a podium.
0: I agree. I think you're totally right about that. I think he's putting himself in a position to have great equipment throughout 2018, at least for Supercross. Um, and, uh, yeah, I th- like he's, he's definitely got himself uh, situated to uh, take at least one of the uh, uh, spots over at Rockstar Husky if that uh, opens up. I think if it opens up for more than a few races for Zach Osborne, uh, that would have been uh, like an automatic thing. Um and uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that if things don't improve with uh, the number one machine, that ride also might be, uh, but might be available by 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 season's end. Let's see how what's happening with that wrist. I don't want to overreact to anything, but a, a fade—that's not a fade. Like that, fitness was not why uh, Jason Anderson went from uh, being in the top the top five to I believe he fell off as far back as thirteenth, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check the results, um, but. That was uh, very uh, surprising to see um, Anderson just not be successful at the end of uh, that race.
1: Yeah, that was that was probably one of the biggest talking points of the entire weekend. Was you know what's going on with uh, with Jason Anderson? You know he he didn't look uh, too comfortable during the the live racing. You know, which a little bit better and and time qualifying, but once it came down for the heats and stuff, fourteen, um, yeah. yeah yeah he, he didn't he didn't look as comfortable or as flashy or as confident as you normally see him um and you know he's a reigning champ and you know people kind of have their eyes on him first but um really really wrote a lackluster race um you know i've been hearing the same reports that hey you know he's got a uh, injury on his wing there you know his wrist is kind of kind of bummed out and he's kind of keeping it quiet which for the life of me i can't figure out why these guys do that um but I'm hoping that that's, that's not the case. I hope it's just maybe it's something that just nagged him for this one race, but he's still going to be okay down the road. Um, so we'll see. We have to keep an eye on it. But definitely a disappointing ride. I mean, a 14th with this caliber of, of talent in this, in this class, that's definitely a, a no-go, man. He just gave up a lot of points in a series. Granted, there are 16 more to go, but you don't want to give guys like Tomek or Moosekin or Roxton any sort of Advantage, no matter how how small or how big
0: it is. You now, no, that's already a big swing in the points. Uh, he's put the champ, the champs, put himself in a big hole. He'll have a white backgrounds for uh, round two, basically uh, the exact opposite situation that he was looking at uh, after Houston of last year. And uh, yeah, it was round two when I drove forty hours in the span of three days um, oh, to man. go from California all the way to Houston. Be there for thirty six hours only to drive all the way back in an rV that I'd never driven before it was fantastic uh' well, maybe we'll get into the the story of that at some point uh hopefully um uh, <laughs> that story doesn't get me in any hot water but either way um yeah jason Anderson, a bit of a hole and uh surprise like his even his fastest lap um is only that of uh the same as uh um, you're you're taught like he's just inside the ninth. He's in ninth place. i based on fastest lap, so even speed wise, he wasn't quite where he needed to be. Uh, to be where to, to basically swing with the the guys who he's normally with, the Justin Barshas, the Ken Roxons, the Eli Tomax, and uh and and the Marvin Moosecans of the world. Who Marvin got eighth? Uh, uncharacteristic for for Marvin. I think that's evidence that uh, the knee is still a slight issue and behind the eight ball as far as testing, but better days in uh, ahead of ahead for Marvin.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, That's another one that kind of bummed me out a little bit. You you expect the top five to kind of include at least Marvin and, and and Anderson. And it it really didn't. Um, I wouldn't say Marvin had a a total lackluster day, but he didn't, he didn't look like, you know, Marvin of last year. He looked a little bit, little bit behind the eight ball. Um, This is another rider that I'm hoping, you know, doesn't have a, anything that's that's going to keep them from, keep them from hopping in a top spot for a number of races i hope this is like maybe like a one race deal and kind of feel a little bit better but um yeah that these are those are probably two very very big surprises um that kind of stuck out with me and i, I really hope that that those guys heal up because like i said before i want to have a large list of riders that I can win i want to get a bunch of good battles going Um, and I want, I want to see some really, really good racing. I mean, I think, I think the same goes, same goes for all of us, but, um, yeah, I'd love to find out what's, what's really, really going on with those
0: two guys. I agree. Um, last couple of notes before we uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, bummed to see Malcolm Stewart uh, basically see the the like see the light as he was able to. He was like getting nice and close to possibly making the pass for the lead. Uh, I think because of that, maybe uh, gripped the throttle a little bit too stiff or stamped a little too hard on the back break uh missed that rut and he goes down still salvages uh, a decent finish uh and chad reed becomes the uh has more top 10 finishes than anybody else other than two guys even have starts in supercross that's pretty impressive yeah that's definitely
1: a record um i think there's gonna be a lot of that this season um i think it's top nine for reed it's pretty solid granted you know um, you know, he is his past Supercross champion, but you got to think about the guys that for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And the riders that he finished just, just in front of, um, as well as behind, are really, really, really fast guys. So uh, he's in the mix. I think he's got a you know a few more races, I and mean, um, once you get a few more races underneath him, he gets totally comfortable on that Suzuki and race situation. I would, I would not be you know, be surprised to see a, a, a top five from Reed. I mean, the guy is. That's a solid rider. When he's comfortable and when he's, when he's feeling it, he's very, very fast. So, yeah, keep an eye on the
0: 2-2. Yeah, you should. Um, one last mo- uh, mention before we uh, say goodnight on this podcast. Ryan Brees, formerly of the Rockwell uh, Yamaha or just Kawasaki team from last year, bought himself a YZ450F, and uh, the thing had a, a stock wheels, Stock back sprocket on it and uh, he put that thing in the main event. Shout out to a guy who uh, is putting together his own program and putting it in the main event. Um, pretty impressive from Ryan Breeze and did so through the heat race. Uh, albeit maybe not the, the the steepest and stiffest competition in that. Still got to get ninth to, uh, to put it in the main, main so uh, hats off to a guy. Who, who was probably as underprepared as it could have been on as stock of a motorcycle as it could have been, um, and uh, only threw on an FMF exhaust system so he could make sound um, that for this race. And, uh, yeah, he goes ahead and, uh, and puts it in the main. Good on uh, Sean, uh, Ryan Brees.
1: Yeah, Brees is a really, really uh, talented rider as well. Um, got to know him a little bit being on that DeVarco uh, team last year, I and mean, he he's a solid guy. I think he's another one that's you know a little bit young and maybe rides over his head sometimes, gets a little bit of bad luck here and there. But uh, solid, solid rider. I think he's going to like the 450s. I think we're going to see him in the main event a lot throughout the season. Um, and I I, I want to see how his uh, his riding matures a little bit, riding with this this group of riders. You know, guys that are a little bit more uh, a little bit more patient, maybe a little bit more mature in their riding. So really, really, uh, really excited to see what's in store for him for 19. And um, I, I expect him pretty good, maybe to top fifteen, maybe you know, top fourteen, top
0: thirteen uh, finishes for this guy. Absolutely, and just notice that uh, Jaron McGrath not only commented on one of my posts, but he mentioned me in the comments. That's fantastic. That's there you really know. cool, Jaron McGrath, the king of Supercross. We have to get guy on my podcast soon. I think I've invited him a few times, and he just ignores me. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> the fact that he's commenting and, and tagging me in the comments, that's that's very that's cool.
1: Exactly. That's progress.
0: Absolutely. Step in the right direction. Dave Drake's here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Everyone should go to the collective e or XP.com and uh, sign up today. Uh, there's still some openings for uh, some, some cool experiences to be had. Set yourself away out of the herd. Live your dream with the collective experience. Do it today. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Dave. We always appreciate the time. Oh, no problem.
1: i Love doing this. Uh, excited to get to Arizona this weekend and uh, do some more bench racing when we can come next week.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, again, a shout-out to Spencer Burrows, a huge fan of Big MX Radio, uh, as well as Garrett Rockley. I guarantee Garrett Rockley is most likely listening to this podcast, and uh, I hope that uh, all is well with uh, Rockley Mechanical there, Garrett. You have a good one. Thanks for coming on the show, uh, Dave. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast's sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwicks Candles, Soy Candles, and Wax Melts for Moto fans like you. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Find out more at MedterraCBD.com and of course, FMF Racing, 46 years of mixing gas and hauling ass.